as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Pirate Talk Radio. I hope everyone is doing well. This episode is, is running a couple days late. Multiple reasons. One, I was trying to think about how to approach this episode without completely losing my damn mind the entire time. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be very successful at that, but we're going to try. Uh, and then secondly, this is one of the worst weeks of work that I've had in like this entire year. Um, literally every night, multiple calls, Saturday, Sunday, it's just, it's a bad week. It was a bad week. So, uh, I apologize for being a little bit late, but should be a good one. Um, we got, we got some things to talk about. Obviously last episode was, uh, looking at the trailers, uh, for Hunter's Cry, the most recent Sea of Thieves uh, adventure, which has received a lot of negative feedback from the community. We kind of went through that, uh, looked at some of the um, feedback and things like that. I kind of weighed in on my thoughts of the trailer. I was able to play through a Hunter's Cry, so I will talk about that and talk about uh, what my experience was. Um, and, and then we'll talk about kind of Sea of Thieves response uh, uh to it along with a, an article that came out on polygon uh just about this particular update uh in general um so we've got a lot of things to talk about a lot of things that i'm sure that i'm gonna blow my top on because i've been saying it for a long time um that that the things need to get better um and we go through this ebb and flow of a roller coaster where we think we feel that things are going on the right track, and then all of a sudden we derail and we're off to the races completely going into left field. So we'll dive into that today. Uh, should be a really exciting episode. But uh, first off, as always, I want to thank the patrons uh, for financially contributing to my content. Maybe YouTube, uh, Twitch streams, um, and also, obviously, the podcast. Thank you very much for going to patreon.com slash TV and picking a subscription that fits you. And I would like to welcome our newest patron uh, for this week, Skamult666. Thank you very much for joining the patron at a level two star commander. I appreciate that very, very much. I also appreciate Lane and Regis Stella for continuing uh, their support. And again, if you would like to financially contribute to the production of this podcast and my other content, please go over to patreon.com slash Davram TV and select any of the available tiers. And some of them even come with some loot, some looty loot. Everyone loves a good piece of loot in the mail. Um, and for those of you who are waiting for their sticker, uh, those will be hitting the mailboxes very, very soon. I know some folks 
um, were not in the U.S. who who are getting a sticker. Uh, so obviously international shipping takes a while, uh, but you should be seeing those in your mailbox, um, U.S. folks, probably this week. Um, and then everyone else, hopefully in the, the couple weeks to come as international mail is crazy. So let's dive into it. Let's dive into this. Um, I'm going to start with the adventure. Um, just kind of continuing on from where we were last, uh, week talking about the trailer. I was able to sit down, um, on stream. So, uh, if you want to go check out the VOD, um, of that on my Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Davram. You can go watch the VOD of the new adventure. Um, and I played with Captain Logan. Uh, and Logan had had a very positive experience in the two times that he had done the adventure prior. He didn't have any uh, TDM issues. He didn't have any griefing issues. Uh, he was just able to play and 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 absorb the, uh, the story. Um, which we'll get into in, in a second. Now we did this, like I said, live on stream and I've got mixed, um, reviews. I had to do it twice. I did have to do it twice. Um, the first time, um, we had a TDM griefer. Now, the first thing that I will say about the crew that were the TDM griefers in this particular thing is they weren't that good, right? So they weren't that good of PVP players. Um, like it was so easy to, to, you know, they would fire over to your ship. You would watch them swim up. You could hit them with an eye of reach on the way up. You could blunder them, kill them on the ladder. You could, they weren't that great. The problem was because of the instantaneous respawn and because of the small area in which you are working, there was no way to proceed with the story. Like even, even when, um, um, I was trying to proceed with the story and, and Logan stayed on the ship and kept the ship moving, even that eventually, even the, the, you know, even the most horrible player will eventually get on the boat or eventually get to the ladder. And then you've got all the, the ghost ships around firing at you. So it was, a, it was, you know, there was no way around having your full crew enjoy the story when you had anyone attempting to get on your boat. Uh, and of course, any sort of situation, I've said this again with the sunken uh, kingdom, anytime you have some sort of activity where not all players on the ship can take part in the activity because one person has to be a lookout all the time is not a very good player experience. Now, some people are okay with being the lookout. They're fine with being the lookout, but it shouldn't always be forced, right? Even in fort situations, even if you're doing the fort or the fort of the damned, because it's in a large open area, it's on an island and there's not much around, you can have people patrolling around and watching the horizon all the time. You don't necessarily need someone just sitting on the ship the entire time. Of course, there are rowboat plays and things like that that you have to watch out for, but you don't have to worry about incoming boats if everyone is keeping their eyes on the horizon. In the Sunken Kingdom, you can't keep your eyes on the horizon. Someone has to look out, and if they don't, there's a good chance, you know, People might sneak kegs on your boat or might tuck on your boat. And as soon as you activate the loot, they're going to blow up your boat or destroy your boat and spawn camp you until your boat sinks and then steal all your loot. There has to be some sort of lookout um, on that activity. And I spoke 
against it when Sunken Kingdom first came out. And I said this was, it's it's cool, it looks cool, it's a cool idea, but in practice it's really bad because it requires at least one person to, to be a lookout and not partake in the particular event that you're you're doing and you run into this with the hunter's call when you have people potentially uh pvping and in a lot of situations are tdming and pvping you've got someone who has to watch on the boat and they have to make sure that everything is okay and you know you don't let someone on your boat etc etc it's not good especially in a limited time story situation where there isn't a there isn't any sort of reward for doing this particular adventure multiple times. It's not like a tall tale where you have to complete it five times in order to get the particular treasure, a reward that you're after. If you do this and you do it once from start to finish, you only have to do it once. So if someone has to stay on the boat and watch the entire time, sure, will they get credit? Absolutely, they will get credit because it is a instance based credit system. So even if you and your crew aren't the ones that light the beacons or or that stuff, everyone in the instance still gets credit, which was a good design choice. That is a very good design choice when you're trying to do something co-op to make sure that everyone in the instance gets credit for something that maybe only one person from another crew does. That was a good design choice. The bad part about this is if you're not a person who's able to get on land and actually light the beacons and see this stuff and do the parkour and get to the top, you are not enjoying the story. You're not enjoying it. All that you're doing is playing defend the boat. And that is not a good player experience, right? It's, it's just not fun because you've got those ghost ships patrolling around, blowing holes in your ship, and you're just trying to patch it up and stay alive until your, your buddy, your crewmates finish the adventure. So we gave it a little bit of time on attempt number one, and we had these annoying, to be honest, not great players um, who were attempting to get on the boat, attempting to spawn camp and failing miserably at it. They'd get a kill now and again. But at the end of the day, we were keeping them off the boat pretty easy because they didn't know how to board. Um, and once they got on board, if they got one of us, the other one survived. And so it wasn't even much of a contest. Uh, they were never coming two at a time. They were coming one at a time. One would die and then start to come back while the other one was dying. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, it wasn't players that were that great, but if they were much better than what they were, it would have been a absolutely toxic situation where we would be dying and getting spawn cam because they weren't that good in skill. Um, I was able to do at least a little bit of the adventure, but it just got to an annoying part um, where it was just not worth it. I was too busy worried about having to get back and protect the boat and help Logan out. Um, um, you know, two V one is never good. Um, help Logan out and, and also try to focus on where the hell the pieces of the adventure are. It just turned into a really bad headache and we elected to vote down the voyage, leave, and then try it again. Um, so <laughs> Even with bad players, the instantaneous respawn just made it that much worse. Now, without instantaneous respawn, it would have made it even more worse because, like, you would sit there on a black screen or on the Ferry of the Dam for 
10 seconds or whatever it is, and then you would come back immediately die, and it would just be you would see more of the fairy of the dam than you saw of the adventure. So I understand the instantaneous respawn. I also understand because how they had the um, arena tavern designed with all of the phantoms in the world, you know, players who might not be that great in you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If they're, they're players that they play this game casually, they're just trying to enjoy the story. Having waves and waves of massive amounts of phantoms coming at you may be a little bit of overwhelming to a player who might not be that great or might be new. It might be very challenging for them. So having instantaneous response so they can get back in and fight, I think was a good design choice. Unfortunately, it just adds to that TDM and griefing um, aspect of it. Now, when we went back in the second time, we thought we were in for the exact same experience. Uh, we thought we were going to enter in um, because one of the very first things that we encountered was someone who was trying to board our boat. Um, now, they got on the boat and they appeared to be hostile, uh, beginning attacking us. But after a quick kill of them, um, they kind of saw real quick that we weren't exactly a ship that it was going to be easy for them to mess with. Um, so they quickly stopped. Now that is definitely not the experience most people had. Uh, but once we kind of, you know, stomped them into the dirt and they saw that they weren't actually going to achieve the griefing and TDMs that, that they were looking for, they left. Um, you know, that, that's the thing about these TDMers, right? They're there to make your life miserable. They're there to grief. Uh, they're there to, um, I would say, try to drop their tiny e-peen on you. Uh, and yes, I say tiny because I really don't care what size their actual peen is. Anyone who acts like this in a game where clearly when you're accepting the adventure, it says co-op just to make other people's experience negative. You've got a small peen. Okay, you've got a small peen. Period. End of story. You know, and you're just trying to drop whatever piece of fleshy, fleshy sausage you have on top of other people's faces to make yourself feel good because no one out in the real life is making you feel good. That's just how it is. That's how griefers are and, and those folks are in all games. They don't have someone in real life making them feel good, so instead they've got to make other people in video games feel bad, so therefore they feel good. I don't know why that makes them feel good, but apparently it makes them feel good. Because being good at a video game, but failure at life, you're still a failure of a person. There you go. I said my piece. So once we crushed the attempted TDMer into the dirt on the second go, we were able to proceed through the entire adventure. And I was disappointed. It wasn't as good of a story as the, the, the previous adventure. It was not as good of a story. There wasn't really much of a, a cutscene style thing like we got in the last adventure. It was very lackluster, to be completely fair. It was kind of lame. And one of the reasons of that was there was no driving force. Yes, we knew we were there to save Merrick or attempt to save Merrick. Yes, we knew the pirate lord had opened the portal and came with us. Yes, but there was no driving force. Though the battle was raging with the ghost ships and the phantoms, there wasn't anything that really made you feel like 
you needed to push something forward. Yeah, you get the pirate lord ever so often saying, I can't hold this portal open forever. You need to go get to the top and save Merrick. All right. I guess that's a driving force. But there was no real indication of how to push the event forward. Now, some folks out there who listen are obviously longtime and fans of Sea of Thieves like myself. But I want you to try to reach into your brain and I want you to try to remove a pirate's life out of your brain. I know it's hard. It was a lot of fun. Try to remove a pirate's life out of your brain. How do you do lighthouses? Remove a pirate's life. You've never seen a pirate's life before. You enter the adventure not knowing what a pirate's life is. How do you light a lighthouse? Where do you light the lighthouse? How do you move the lighthouse? What do you use the lighthouse on? For those of us who play the pirate's life, we could take a pirate's life and we could use it in this adventure and understand you have to get the to- you got to get the fire at the bottom, you have to light the beacons to open the lighthouse door, you have to get up to the top of the lighthouse fighting your way, then you have to light the beacon on the lighthouse, then you have to proceed to use the little the little uh, like wheels to turn the lighthouse up and down and you're looking for giant beacon torches on what the lighthouse is facing to light to take the next step. We know that because of a pirate's life. If you've never done a pirate's life, you would have no idea what to do. There is no guidance. There is nothing. Except you getting attacked by ghost ships and phantoms, trying to to stab in the dark and hope to find what you're supposed to do. I played a pirate's life. I've played it multiple times. I know what to do. And I was still finding myself looking around going, where do I go next? Now, I know if I keep fumbling around in the dark, I'm eventually going to to find where I'm supposed to go. If I continue like a, a bloodhound sniffing in the dark, I'm eventually going to find my prey. But that's not how this should be. The game should at least provide somewhat guidance on what to do, especially on an event that's a limited time and especially on a very story-driven event, right? And all the tall tales, you get books and they, they give you hints and clues on what you're supposed to do. This didn't have any of that. You sail in with the Pirate Lord's portal and then it's just like, figure it out. And that's really bad design. Really, really bad design. Very disappointed in Sea of Thieves, their design staff, and the implementation staff that they thought that this was designed well and that it was going to be a good player experience. It was not. It was an atrocious player experience. Take the TDMers out of it. Take the the griefing out of it. It's still a poor experience. Even players that I've talked to, veteran players, new players alike, who played this adventure without the TDMers and without the, the griefers, they still said that this was a disappointing adventure following the previous one, which was so good. Not only are you completely lost on what you're supposed to do and you just have to kind of figure it out, some players like that, most players like at least a little bit of guidance. You don't have to give 
give me a cookie cutter trail. You don't have to have me light my lantern and see footsteps that show me exactly where the hell to go. You don't need that. But some sort of guiding force that directs you in what you're supposed to do would be very helpful. And it wasn't there. And then once you light all the beacons and you light all the lighthouses, you start to ascend the tower, fighting phantoms. It's boring. It's lackluster. I could do that out on islands. I can do that in a phantom fort. I can go do a a ghost ship voyage and kill ghost ships. It was boring. It was lackluster. There are so many things that they could have done to make this feel better. The Dark Brethren are at the top of this arena. You have one of the greatest sea dogs that has ever lived in Amaranta. You have the Warsmith, a vicious pirate captain who created curse balls. And you have Duke the most well-known bilge rat of the freaking game. And none of them, none of them even think to raise their sword or gun to help defend their captured prize. They just send phantoms. Whoop-dee-doo. Couple hits with a sword, the phantom dies. There are a lot of phantoms. Thank God there's a lot of barrels with good food in it because there's a lot of phantoms and they're pot shotting you and everything else. But there's no command. It doesn't feel like the Dark Brethren's trying to defend this thing. It feels like they're just like, oh, let's summon some ghost ships and let's put some phantoms out there. It's fine. They won't be able to make it out up, up, up here. Even though they've killed countless of ghost ships and countless of phantoms before, they're not going to be able to make it through it. Nah. They're smarter than that. They're smarter than that. And you start to ascend this thing and you start to get to dead ends where you're like, well, I can't get any further. And if you try to jump or sword lunge, you black screen because it's not meant for you to go that way. And then you start have to like, what the hell do I do? And then you start looking around and be like, oh, there's a beacon over there. Okay, well, let's have someone, hopefully there's still someone on the ship. In our instance, Logan was still on the ship. He was able to sail around and light those beacons. And we were able to go a little further and a little further and a little further until eventually you get to the capstan that you have to turn and and stuff like that. But there was no guidance or driving force forward, nor did you even feel like the Dark Brethren were there. Sure, you might get a couple voiceovers from the the warsmith every so often down at the bottom like you do with the, the pirate lord, but you didn't feel like the dark brethren were there. You could have got to the top of the arena tower and just seen Merrick sitting there with no dark brethren whatsoever, and it would have had the same impact as what their design was with the dark brethren there because they didn't play a role in it. They didn't. Not at all. They sat on the top and twiddled their thumbs. And I get it. 
I get it. It's the classic villain move where the villain sends their, like, Power Rangers. I'm going to age myself here. Power Rangers. Rita Repulsa would sit in her throne up on the moon and send her putty patrollers down to their death over and over and over and over and over and over again. Even though she's seen from her big-ass telescope that every time she sends an army of putty patrollers, the Power Rangers kick their ass. So what does she do next time? Sends the same army of putty patrollers. I get it. That is the narrative of the villains. That is the stereotypical villain. Send the minions and we stay up on top away from the action. Sea of Thieves has a better story mind and a better design team than that. We have seen it before. And we'll see it again. But for some reason, they're on a roller coaster. Good design, shitty design. Good design, shitty design. Good design, shitty design. Good update, crappy update. Good update, crappy update. It feels like, and I know they have multiple teams working on this stuff. It feels like the binding force, which should be Mike Chapman, the binding force that binds all these multiple teams, the teams who are working on these adventures or that adventures, that binding force to make sure everything is clean and consistent and, and you can't tell the difference between what team designed it, that driving force feels like it's not engaged there. And again, I feel like that should be Mike Chapman and being able to say that I've met and talked to Mike Chapman, he is very engaged. But this adventure field very disconnected. It didn't feel like I was fighting the Dark Brethren. It felt like I was fighting phantoms and ghost ships. I Like I said, I didn't even know the Dark Brethren was even there except for a couple Warsmith lines. And once I get to the top, oh, they're standing there. Like, have them open a portal and Amaranta comes out. And you have to fight Amaranta for a little while. And then she retreats back to the top. And then all of a sudden, like, a portal opens and there's the Warsmith. And she's like lobbing some sort of weird cursed cannonball at you while you're trying to fight the, the phantoms. Like she's taken the cursed cannonball and made it some sort of throwable. And she's over on a cliffside just launching these curses at you. Like, oh, now you're grogged and now you're broken legged or something like that. She designed those things. She gave it to us. Why? Like it would be so cool for her to have basically firebombs. She's out of range of, you know, you probably have to shoot her a couple times to make her, you know, but she's throwing these, these things at at you or maybe or maybe you're going up there and all of a sudden you come across a trap and like spikes shoot out of the ground and you turn to your left and there's duke pulling a lever and then he disappears make it feel like the dark brethren actually give a damn about this information in merrick's head that they worked so hard to capture him on they did nothing but stand at the top of this thing and say a couple lines so disappointing. And this was Adventure 6. As we were told, it is supposed to be trilogies. 1, 2, ends with 3. 4, 5, ends with 6. And those are supposed to be big, climactic events. Cinematographic, uh, 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 whatever the word that I'm losing my mind right now on. Cinematography, everything's supposed to be big on the last one. It was big on three. It was supposed to be big on six and it was completely missed. 
It didn't feel big. Sure, <coughs> the battle felt big with the raging of the skeleton ships and the phantoms. That felt kind of epic out there. But once you're actually scaling the thing, it didn't feel epic. And the Dark Brethren, who you're supposed to be battling to get Merrick back, were not involved. It was a huge missed opportunity. And like I said, whoever the design team was who designed the last thing with the awesome ending, with the cool ghost uh, uh, scenes that you saw as you're trying to find clues about Merrick, and then you get to the end and Amaranta's there and slaps the skull on the head. She's got the stick with the skull on it, and her and Belle have some words, and then she slams the thing down and steps through the portal, and poof, she's gone into the, the Sea of the Damned with the other brethren. It was beautiful. It was well executed. It had some suspense. It had some mystery. It, but it guided you through. Like there was a guiding force. There was a guiding narrative through the entire thing. And then at the end, you see the villain. You find out who the villain is. They have an escape room. So they poof, they're gone. Bell had that interaction. This one was like it fell off a cliff. From start to finish, this adventure felt like instead of climaxing up to a big ending of four, five, six, like it's supposed to, this one felt like it was just falling off the cliff from the last one. Like, oh, the last one was so good. Ah, well, we're going to go downhill a little bit and then we'll start with uh, seven and we'll start to rebuild and nah, nine will be better. It was just lackluster. No driving force, no driving power, poorly designed, no narrative that takes you forward in this. And then an ending that was just meh. It was just meh. You've got the dark brethren that stand there. And though you can jump up and be near them, they don't hit you. They don't shoot at you. You can't slash them. You can stand next to them, take cool pictures with them. Like they're some sort of celebrity and your pirate is the fangirl of them. And then they disappear after the pirate Lord says some things and Merrick's there. It was just meh. It was such a disappointment of an adventure from start to finish. And that is taking out TDMers and griefers. That is just me playing through it with no TDM, no griefing. It was meh. It was not enjoyable. The story in my mind, sure, did it move forward? Yeah, it moved forward. But in a very boring and lame way. Very boring, very lame. It didn't feel like it moved things forward. It just felt complacent and boring and multiple, not 50 shades of gray. Okay. Not that, but it just felt grayscale. It didn't, didn't have vibrancy. Didn't have excitement. It was just meh. And that was very disappointing to see. I am glad that I was able to see what people were complaining about with the TDM and the bad experience. And yes, it was a very bad experience and it was, it was bad. Interesting enough. I have talked to multiple people that take part in insiders. I don't take part in insiders. And apparently the insider forums were full of feedback telling the developers prior to this coming out 
not only the issues with the particular adventure being meh in story, but also issues that they foresaw coming up um, if this got launched to live with TDM and griefing because of how it was designed and implemented. So Rare was not only receiving this feedback from their insiders, who apparently are their QA team, they just flat out ignored it all. They just flat out ignored everything and they went ahead with it anyways. I've had multiple insiders since the last episode when I was talking about the trailer before I even took part in this come back and say, yep, the insider forums were full of this feedback saying this is what's going to happen and Rare didn't change a damn thing about it. They said that there were issues with the portals when you go through and you come out and your character is wiped with no emotes and no no cosmetics. They provided that feedback to rare. They provided the feedback that the story was overall meh and that it was kind of boring and there was no guiding force or narrative forward to kind of guide you in what's going on. It was all provided and rare just ignored it and didn't give a damn and released it how it was. And guess what? Their customer service team got overloaded, I assume, with the amount of complaints of, 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 of griefers and TDMers and all over the internet, Reddit blowing up, you know, Twitter blowing up, people on YouTube, even their own partners on stream talking about how poor of a player experience that this particular adventure brings, not only on a storyline, but also, of course, the TDM and griefers. It's really sad. Not only do you have an internal QA team, but your insiders, the people who are supposed to be testing this stuff for you and providing feedback on this before it goes live, provided you all this stuff and you damn well just ignored it. And you released a piece of garbage, boring, crappy adventure. I didn't expect Rare to own this. I didn't expect any statement from Rare. I didn't expect any of that. Rare does a really good job of putting shit out and then not owning that they put shit out and basically just being like, eh, it was a good update. We'll learn from the mistakes, but it was a good update. That's kind of their history. They don't really take ownership of things that are bad unless it's server performance, which they can't ignore. And then they give you a voyage to do. So I was surprised that on August 23rd, around 10 a.m. Eastern time, the official Sea of Thieves Twitter account lights up with this tweet. One week after the release of this adventure, with all the negative feedback out there, this tweet was released. After reviewing your feedback, we're making a number of changes to our current adventure, Hunter's Cry, to ensure a more consistently welcoming environment to players, most notably from 2 p.m. UTC tomorrow. Each trip to the Sea of the Dam will involve two crews at most. So there's still a chance for PvPing. There's still a chance for griefing. Uh, but it's definitely minimized because there's only two crews allowed in there. So if you see the other crews hostile, you can make a decision to get out quicker um, than if you're in there with four others and you might not be the initial target. 
They also made some other changes. So um, it says also on the same day, uh, a quick response right after it says, so while some crews may approach a hunter's cry alone, others will go to into a alongside adventure seeking crew. As this smaller multi-crew experience and other careful adjustments take effect, the time limit uh, for the completion will also be increased to one hour. So you still have a time limit on how long you can be in there. And then you get kicked out. But now it's at least increased to an hour. Why? Just, and again, I know they can't do this as a hot fix. I know the increasing it to an hour is, 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 is what they need to do. But in the same regards, like provide a guiding path for the players, provide a narrative that guides them through Logan. And I talked on stream that Pendragon would be a very excellent character to drive the story forward. Just like in a pirate's life, when you're doing a big battle and you're just kind of like, what the hell's going on? We've got all these ships that we're fighting. We've got these stitches that we're fighting. We got the, it's just a lot going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, the captains of the damned led by Pandragon come out of the water and Pandragon's like, oh, it looks like you could use some assistance. I will take care of these guys out here. You go ascend the tower and take care. Boom. Narrative pushed forward. Pandragon comes out. Oh, it seems to me like you're having some trouble here. Let me take care of these ghost ships. You go light the lighthouses and the beacons. Ascend to the top and save Merrick. Something. Anything to push the players forward. Anything to push the players forward. And it wasn't there. They've used Pendragon multiple times to do this. And he would be a great character being in the sea of the damned to do this. Now, maybe they're saving Pendragon for eventually when we get to the flame heart stuff a little bit later, as we get to the end of the year, but bell would be another good character since she's already involved in this and has been involved in this and was actually at the end of the last adventure confronting Amaranta bell would be another great character here that could come out of nowhere with her ship or on her little buoy and pop to the shore and be like, over here, I've got something to ask you. <laughs> Pulls a ghostly pineapple out of her butt or something. But something, some sort of narrator, something to drive players forward. I did a pirate's life, as I said, so I was able to kind of piece together stuff. It took me a lot longer than, than if I had some sort of narration and again, a little narration might also make the adventure more exciting and more interactive, but I was able to piece it together and figure it out. But I know some players are going to struggle with that as they might not have done a pirate's life yet, nor um, are, are they as, you know, smart when it comes to the Sea of Thieves stuff. They might be a newer player. But it was good for them to make adjustments. Now, it says, after reviewing your feedback, we are making some changes. Now, it doesn't necessarily say that they were in the wrong. It doesn't necessarily say that, oh, the implementation or design of this was bad. <clears throat> but in my mind, that tweet and follow-up tweet of the changes they were making with one week to go admitted fault and admitted that they made something that was bad. It, it could have been good if they did things properly, um, it could have been good, but it wasn't. 
And so in my mind, that tweet was an omission of fault that the design team screwed up this, and their objective at this point was just to try to save face, make some changes, and make sure people got through this and got their reward for getting through this and hopefully lessened the chance that PvP was going to cause people issues. They had a great opportunity not long ago with the war over Golden Sands to have a PvP style adventure where you were in adventure and if you didn't want to PvP, you could just go do something else. In this situation, you were in a locked-in arena, really, and you couldn't get anywhere. You couldn't go do anything else. It was the adventure or nothing. Right? You do the adventure, you go back on an adventure mode, and that was it. They missed their calling and missed the opportunity to make Golden's, the battle for Golden Sands actually feel like a war, actually feel like an event that meant two sides were fighting each other and just made it a glorified merchant mission, which is not a war at all. They missed it on that one and somehow screwed up and made it into this one, which this one was supposed to be co-op because that's what the Pyro Lord tells you. If you open your eyes in red and anyone out there who would, might listen to this and as a TDM griefer, open your damn eyes and see what the Pirate Lord's telling you. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it, but that was what the Pirate Lord in this story is. If you're going into this adventure TDMing and griefing, then you're not actually taking part in the story at all. Now, if it was one of those things where you could start this adventure with the pirate lord or you could start this adventure with with a agent of the brother uh, the brethren and it was meant to be a pvp event sure go go to town go kill people i don't care but literally it says by accepting this adventure you are entering a cooperative place to save merrick so you are the morons who clearly don't read or clearly don't give a damn i think it's more of the clearly don't give a damn but at the end of the day, I will take this tweet from Rare. It's an admission of fault on their side that they screwed up. I hope that they really do listen to this feedback. I hope they really start doing a better job of reading and listening the feedback that their insiders are providing them. Because there are good insiders out there. Some insiders just legitimately log in to, to get their one hour. But there are some that legitimately spend a good amount of time in the insider platform and provide good feedback. And those are the, you know, you got to sift through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But every piece of feedback from insiders should be read and should be taken into account, especially if you see trends. If you're not paying attention to that, you're not doing a very good job. You're not doing a very good job. All right, let's move off of the adventure. Again, I would say if I had to rate this adventure, I'd probably put it near the bottom. Um, I don't think I would probably put it near the bottom. It would probably be in there. Like it's probably the worst adventure so far followed closely by the, the shrouded deep because that one required multiple crews to work together. So it was a bad player experience as well. Probably followed much further away um, by the adventure where you had to save the people of Golden Sands. I would say those three are their bottom and worst adventures so far. Uh, but this one, by far, because of how they designed it, not only was their story meh, 
in what was supposed to be a big finale, but also they had the TDMing and the griefing, which was basically implemented by them into the game. They reintroduced the arena without rules and stuff like that, basically. Um, and it, it, it's the worst one so far. On a storyline, worst one. On a implementation, execution, player experience, worst one, followed closely by the shrouded, uh, shrouded deep. Now, I didn't, I, I usually like to do a review of seasons as we close into the end of the season. We still have well over 10, 12 weeks left in season seven. Um, it's, it's obviously a, uh, a, a plenty of time for some, some changes, um, and some, some good things to be added to season seven. But I want to take a minute and look at a um, an article um, that was put out by Polygon. Now, uh, Polygon obviously is a is a a well known red website for information on gaming. And um, Gamescom was going on this week in Europe. See if these was there. There was a lot of introductions of new stuff like Destiny Two going to Fortnite. Um, Destiny Two releasing their next uh, their next big season, which is the season of plunder. Um, so there was a lot of stuff going on at Gamescom, and this particular article was really interesting because the main banner of the article was actually Destiny Two, uh, and the um, the actual URL for the article starts with Destiny Two Lightfall Season of Plunder, and then says Sea of Thieves captaincy, um, which is interesting because the majority of what this article talks about, uh, is in fact sea of thieves. Um, now the objective of this article is to talk about the challenges of live service games like sea of thieves. And this article is again, it's, it's written as an opinion and it's live service games need to respect their dedicated players more. Now I've said this for a long time about sea of thieves that they have a very, the clear cut path that they want to take this game. And it doesn't matter if you're a first time player or you've played this game since alpha, they don't care. They don't care how long you've played the game. They're going to go on their line of development. They don't give a shit about how long you've played the game. And I think this particular article has some interesting points, um, things that I agree with and things that I think I, 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 I don't agree with. And some some things that I think they should have thought about before releasing um, um, uh, season seven. So this was written by someone, and I apologize if I butcher this name, Mike Rogu. And you can read the entire article um, in the show notes of the podcast. Um, but it starts out with saying, uh, you know, Sea of Thieves has received Season 7, which is a long-awaited captaincy update. Again, players have been waiting for this for a long time. Um, and there is a major problem with this, which I have stated on stream multiple times. Um, I've had some pushback until I kind of explain it a little bit further. But the big thing is, since the beginning of the game, there have been commendations. Now, we have been working on commendations. They are linked to our pirate. They show what we have done. 
May it be as commendations get better or added. Maybe it's 10 Fort of the Dams. Maybe it's 300 ghost ships. Maybe it's 300 barnacle chests. I know it's barnacle, but barnacle sounds a lot more fun, and that's what I like to say. Maybe it's doing the gold, uh, the, the shores of gold five times and completing it completely. Whatever that commendation is out there that you've worked on, it is something that is attached to your pirate. It is a, is accomplishment that your pirate has done. And in season seven, as uh, as you well know, we receive something called milestones. And these milestones are basically, some are different. I will give them that. Some are different. But basically, they have taken the accommodation system, and they've taken it, and they've slapped it on a boat that you've purchased, and they've slapped it again on top of the accommodations onto your pirate. Again, they're not a one-to-one comparison all the time. Some commendations um, are require more to to finish than the milestones. Some milestones require more than the commendation. Some milestones are completely different than the commendations. Some commendations are not included at all in the milestones. It's a mixed bag, but there is definitely some overlap. And this article pulls out something that basically says that Sea of Thieves, in their development of the captaincy update, did not respect players who have been working on commendations since the beginning. And I 100% agree with it. One, because it actually says pirate milestones. It does not say captain milestones. So therefore... Um, and, and as Mike Chapman says, you know, these are supposed to be unique things, um, that you've done as a pirate. Look back on all the unique things you've done as a pirate. I already have that. I have combinations. I've already done those, right? I've already got 300 burnicle chests. I've already killed 500, uh, skeletal ships. I've already done a hundred fort of the dams. I've already done all those things. It's on the accommodations. Now, there is a quote later um, from Shelley, one of the lead dev- designers, Shelley Preston, that says the intention of this system was to enable you to track the way you n- uniquely play the game, um, things that you uh, like to engage with most, and then give you rewards for that. And it was also stated that said some of the stuff is not tracked at all prior to this. And I agree. Some of the things that is captaincy, some of the things that are milestones now, they were never tracked before. But some of the things were tracked. Some of them were tracked. Namely, ghost ships killed, skeletal ships killed, voyages done, miles sailed, fort of the dams completed, regular forts completed. Those were all tracked. How do I know that? Because the accommodations say so. Now, Maybe you've killed a thousand skeleton or ghost ships or skeletal ships. The commendation goes up to 500. Okay. Then your milestone should at least reflect where you are on the commendation. If it stops tracking after the commendation gets the check mark, okay, that, that, understandably they were not programming a commendation or commendations. They were not programming those to be. Uh, you know, milestones and they weren't programming that, but you have the check mark on 500 skeletal ships. Since they are pirate milestones, those should carry over and they should be auto checked and you should have credit for it in your pirate milestone section. Now, what's that going to do? 
it's going to make this update look even more like garbage. Why? Because there's even less for you to do then. Why? Because you've already done it. And that is my point. So many times in the past, Rare has talked to us about trying to do things which is not repeats from the past. That's what the point of these adventures were. They said it on their Sea of Thieves podcast. Our objective is to create limited time story-focused adventures so we don't have limited time events of turn in this many mermaid gems, catch this many uh, fish that we've used over and over and over and over again. That was the objective of adventures. So what have they done? They've gave us adventures, but they said, hey, let's put out captaincy where you could own your own boat, but you're going to have to redo everything that you've done plus a little extra. And yes, you aren't. the intent is for you not to complete all the milestones. And that, to me, is hard because if you understand the player base, especially the veterans, especially the players who have played this game for a long time and probably put a lot of money into the Pirate Emporium, you know, your bread-and-butter players, they are completionists. A lot of them are completionists, and they want to knock stuff out. They want to get those check marks. So by you telling them that this system is not made for them to get check marks and complete it, it was made for them to track their individual uniqueness, well, I hate to tell you this, that means you are 100% out of touch with your player base. You are 100% out of touch with those players because those players legitimately want to get everything checked off. And those are your bread and butter players. The players that are playing it every single day, multiple hours a week. The players putting in countless of dollars into your pirate emporium. They want the check marks. They want to work towards this. They want those cosmetics. So don't tell players these are meant to be lifetime things that they're not meant to complete and get check marks on. They're only supposed to do the ones that are uniquely suited for them. Because I hate to tell you this, I don't like merchant missions. I still do them to get the check marks. That's how we are. But the issue to this is that they're called pirate milestones. And the issue with that is I've already completed a lot of these milestones and now I have to do it again. And Rare can't tell me. There is no way that I would ever accept that them telling me, hey, we didn't have a tracking system before. We can't give you credit. That is bullshit. You give the Hunter of the Shrouded Ghost credit. They got that milestone done if they had the accommodation done. They got that one done. They got the little headless skid, the, the, the head of a shrouded ghost to put on their ship. They got that done. They transferred that over. Your system literally has check marks on commendations. You track it. You just didn't want to give veteran players that visibility of how much shit they've actually got done because then they're going to log in for the first time. They're going to see their pirate milestones and see 50 levels, 60 levels, 75 levels, 150 levels. And they're going to say, what the hell is this update? There is nothing to do in this update because I've done it all already. And you would be correct. You're still correct in saying that. 
The problem is they're forcing you to do it again. There is nothing new in this update except for buying a ship. That is the only thing that's new, ladies and gentlemen. The only thing that's new in season seven is the fact that you can buy a ship and name it your mom. The only thing that's new in season seven is you can buy a ship and name it something inappropriate like, I don't know, Bum Guzzler or the Slave Ship or some other atrocious name. That is the only thing that's new, ladies and gentlemen. That and useless pieces of garbage that take up lag on the server called stools that have no business in the game because they don't do anything. And the fact that you can decorate your ship. You have your own ship with name. You've got decorate your ship and you have useless pieces of shit called stools. That is it. That is all that's new. Right home. That's it. Everything else is copy and pasted from three years of this game being out. And if you don't see it and you don't agree with me, this is not to be offensive to anyone who has a vision impairment, but if you do not understand what I'm saying, then you are blind. You are blind. And if you can somehow inside of you defend the atrocity, the horrible design that Sea of Thieves did with captaincy, this utter plate of rotten, stinking, reused garbage that they served us up in season seven, and you can defend them on this? I'm going to run for president and I need you in my corner because I will literally go out and do a hundred illegal things. And you'll be like, he's the greatest person ever vote for him. He murdered 15 people and called Oh, great person. They deserve to die. It's awful. If you actually are out there defending rare in the development of season seven, you are not paying attention. Now, do I agree with the idea of developers don't respect their dedicated players. I don't agree with that. I think rare loves and, and respects all of us. I just think that they were in a place where they needed to give us players something that was exciting, something that we were wanting, especially with how this was announced at a big, you know, eyeballs on screen. And they just didn't have time to make something better. They didn't have time to do anything aside from copy pasta, everything that they've already built into the accommodation system. Again, there are differences. But it's very disappointing. And it is a slap in the face to players. But I think they, they, I think they respect the players. I mean, hell, if they don't respect the players, they should be going out of business and they're not going out of business. 
In this article, it says Preston also explained that many of these trackers were literally not encoded into the game before, making them impossible to reward retroactively. Partial of that is true. A lot of it's bullshit. That is 100% bullshit. You tracked it for accommodations. You tracked it for Xbox achievements. You then tracked it for Steam achievements. It's bullshit. There are a lot of those milestones that do carry over. Sitting time, not tracked. Understand. Drinking, not tracked. Understand. Eh, Vomiting, tracked. Because we get a pirate. We get a pirate. uh, What is it? Uh, A pirate. Uh, a summary each year. Now, some people say those are inaccurate numbers. I don't know. But if you're showing me numbers, that's telling me you tracked it. And on that says how many times you vomited. Cannonballs tracked. Not tracked. Ghost ship sunk tracked. Fort of the Dams completed tracked. Forts completed tracked. Ghost ships killed tracked. Phantoms killed tracked. Skeletons killed tracked. Kegs exploded uh, when skeletons hold them tracked. Tall tails completed tracked. Skeletal uh, throne sat on tracked. Again, I don't know if that's a milestone. Fish caught, not tracked. Fishes turned in tracked. Time sleeping in the mattress, not tracked. So there are things that are not tracked, but you can't tell me the majority are not tracked because I have multiple pages of accommodations that says you're lying. And it really upsets me that they would carry over the hunter of the shrouded ghost but not carry over more commendations. Why? Like, I get it. The Shrouded Ghost doesn't exist. The Shrouded Ghost, that title and is very rare to see. I get it. People would lose their goddamn mind if they had something else to, to do for, for that. I get it. I get it. But if you're carrying over that then you damn well better not slap the rest of us in the face and not carry over our achievements. It is a pirate milestone, not a captain milestone. If it was a captain milestone, then these milestones should be only when you are the captain, only when you are sailing your ship. They didn't want to do that because what happens if you want to play with your play group and you argue over who wants to be captain because someone wants to get this particular, you know, trophy or whatever, but someone else is like, but I want this trophy. I want to be captain. And then it starts a conflict. So they had to do something that was in between that said, okay, we have ship milestones for the ship captain. And then we've got pirate milestones. So the pirates on the crew don't feel left out. The problem with implementing it that way is our pirate has already been through one year, two year, three year, four years of milestones, commendations. We've already been through it. Our pirate has already been through it. And the way you present this and the way you have given it to us says that these are to uniquely track the history of your pirate, but 
only since season seven. Well, I hate to tell you, season seven is only a few weeks in. What about the other three years of my pirate's life? He did a lot of great things in the past three years. Where is that? It is not tracking the history of my pirate. It is tracking the history of my pirate since a certain point of time, which is season seven, which is a very small fraction of my pirate's life. But if they made it captain milestones would cause a lot of issues between players because it would only work for the player who is the captain. And you don't want that. You want to be like I've said before, you want everyone to be able to partake in the activity that the crew is doing and making it a captain only milestone would take that away. So having it a crew milestone is a good idea. Unfortunately, the implementation was bad and it's a slap in the face to us pirates who have worked really hard to get commendations done and seeing those exact same commendations with the exact same or close to the same counts and us having to do it again. Don't defend rare on this. Do not defend rare on this. It was very sad that this was the big captaincy update that we were all waiting for. It's very sad that the feedback provided to them by insiders told them and showed them that they would have issues in this adventure with the exact thing that they're having issues with in this adventure. And they didn't listen. I feel the bigger this game gets, the more popular this game gets the less in touch with the actual players, the core players, not the casual players, the core players of this game, Rare is going to be. And that's very upsetting. And I hope that's not the case. But the more and more I see how they're developing things, the more and more I feel like they are slowly but consistently losing touch with their player base. The core player base, the player base that are playing every single day for however however long it is, the core player base that are playing consistently several hours each week. And those are the players that you don't want to lose touch with. You don't want to lose touch with because those are the players that are going to be funding you via Game Pass. Those are the players that are going to be funding you through the Pirate Emporium. Those are the players you do not want to alienate. And I feel as updates keep going like this, with the Hunter's Cry, with Captaincy, things that these players have been waiting for for a long time, the more out of touch you are with them, the more chance you may lose them. And if you say, well, they've played it this long with the hit registration issues and with all the bugs and we're cleaning that up, they're going to keep staying. Don't think that way. Don't think that way. You need to approach each and every update and think about not only the new players, but also the veteran players and how to make sure the updates speak to all players. And yes, that is very challenging. I will not take that away. It's very challenging. But if you rolled captaincy out with this model, if this was the model that you felt was best, you should have rolled it out 
and gave credit where credit was due to make sure the pirate reflectively shows their history. And yes, a new pirate's going to have to do it, but they're going to have to do it anyways via the commendation. Veteran pirates have already done it, and they shouldn't have to sit there and do it again. And don't give me this load of crap where you're saying, well, it's supposed to be something that tracks what you're doing. I get it. I understand what you're saying, but it's bullshit because I've already done it before. Give me credit. I think as it stands right now, season seven, unless Rare gets in there and retroactively gives credit where credit is due, season seven will go down as one of the most disappointing and worst updates that Sea of Thieves has done. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I didn't blow my top off that much. I am sweating a little bit. I, I, I did get a little excited. I got a little into it, but I knew I would. A little drippy, a little drippy. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I will see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.